Hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow. Welcome to another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And today it is my pleasure to have on the call with me, Mr. Mitch Steven. Mitch, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Dave. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So as you can hear, Mitch isn't from around my parts. He's uh, based in San Antonio, Texas. Is that right, Mitch? Mitch? That's right. San Antonio, Tejas. All right. Perfect. The and, land of tacos and guns. <laughs> and good at both of them, from uh, for what I've heard, that's for sure. So Mitch is a very, very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. He's been doing this since age 23 when he first picked up a book uh, called Nothing Down by Robert Allen. Mitch, that was about the age I picked up that book, but you did a hell of a lot more with it than I did. I think I just read it and put it back on the book. Well, you know... You know, Robert Allen had the audacity to suggest that you didn't, you, you didn't need nothing to get into real estate. And I said, well, man, if that's what you need, I got enough nothing to buy the whole damn town. And I just Which is to what, what you've pretty much done because uh, over, we were just talking before we started the recording, over the last 24 years or so, Mitch, I think you, you've done over 2,000 transactions. Yeah. yeah, I did the math. It did the math. It came up to um, a house about every... Four to five days. I bought a house every four to five days for 24 years. Golly, that sounds like a long time. I'm getting old. <laughs> we both got a little bit of that gray stuff going on there, my friend. Mm -hmm. And Mitch is also the author of three different books, My Life and a Thousand Houses. I think you have to upgrade that to 2,000 houses now, buddy. But My Life and a Thousand Houses, Failing Forward to Financial Freedom. Uh, another one, 200 plus ways to find bargain properties. And his most recent one, The Art of Owner Financing. Nice. Looking good. That's what it's all about. So, Mitch, great to have you on the call. Let's jump in. Just briefly, tell us how you got into this whole crazy world of real estate investing in the first place. I failed at everything else. There wasn't anything else left. It was like the last thing. After this didn't work, I was going to go shoot myself. It's, you know, like I had a stack of business cards about this tall, you know? And yeah. uh, actually, I, you know, I, just like everything in my life, it it was all by accident, but, but, but I learned from my accidents when, when accidents, when I make accidents and they hurt myself, I'd learn not to do that again. When I make accidents and they really feel good and, and, and they make me some money, I double back around and, and say, you know, how did, how did I do that? What did I just do? How do I do that again? You know, or how do I do it better? Or how do I do that the same, but faster, not take as long, you know, let's hurry up and do it over again. So I was just a continually morphing and morphing and morphing and paying attention to the good things that happen and the bad things that happen, trying to stop the bad things and trying to increase the good things. And I accidentally bought a condo to live in. And then I accidentally found another one with two bedrooms instead of one that I wanted to move to, but I couldn't sell the one. So I rented it out. And then I, you know, discovered that if I rented out the one bedroom condo and I rented out the extra bedroom in my two bedroom condo that I was living for free. And I thought, well, this is really good. Uh, how can you live and make money even from this? And so I was a buy and hold guy for a while. I got up to about 25 houses, then figured out that there was too many liabilities in the rental thing for me. I mean, the money was coming in, but then the money would go right back out to the air conditioner man and everybody else. And so I wanted out of that business. So I went to get out of the business and I couldn't figure out how to get out of it because anybody in the neighborhoods that I lived in, they couldn't get a loan. Mm. Or the neighborhoods that I had my houses in, they couldn't get a loan. 
So I hired this one guy for 10,000 bucks, which was my last 10,000 bucks and said, uh, how do I get out of this? Because it's killing me. These people are calling me every day and night and everything's always breaking. They're always leaving and it's always tore up and I'm not making any money. And you know, this is a complete myth, this buy and hold thing, unless the houses are paid for, I could get it. But if you're trying to make money between what you owe and what you collect, that, sh that shit's gone in one air conditioner, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and so then he taught me, he says, well, I paid him 10 grand. He says, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sell our finance. And you're going to get three or $4,000 down from your 25 houses. And then you're going to collect about the same as you were in rent, except it's going to be a payment. And you don't have to give that up when, it, when, it, when, it, when that check cashes, it's in your account. It's your money. And it's not the air conditioner man's money because if the air conditioner breaks, it's not your house. Mm. And that was um, 2,400 houses ago. Yeah. So, so that kind of gives it, but give, give us an idea of what your, so your primary strategy is you're buying single family homes and then you're turning around and you're selling them with owner. Yeah. Finance. Get, get your pencil and paper ready. Cause this, I'm going to give you the breakdown. Yeah. Man. Let's say, let's say I find a house. First thing I do is I got to use this rent formula and I back into the rents in, in the neighborhood to find out what I can sell these little bread and butter, three bedroom, two bath, 1200, 1400 square foot houses, sometimes thousand square foot houses. They're nothing fancy. They're just run of the mill houses, probably built 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, hundred years ago, whichever one. Mm -hmm. So I get in the rents. I got this formula. Here's the formula rent minus the taxes minus the insurance uh -huh. times one, one, five plus 12% minus 50% of the repair estimate equals the OFV. Hey, Dave, did I tell you that I invented the acronym, the OFV? The well, let's owner, hear what it is. The owner financed value. Nice. Right up there with the ARV. You know, everyone will be, yeah. The, uh, so let's do it with real numbers. A thousand yep. rent minus a hundred uh, uh, taxes minus 50 for insurance equals 850. Yep. Times 115, and all this 115 is, it's a multiplier to tell me that if I use the terms 10% in 30 years and the payment, his principal and interest payment is 850, what can we borrow? That's what that 115 is going to give me. How much can we borrow at 10% for 30 years and have a payment at 850? So you do 115 times 850, uh, and then, so then that comes out to $97,750, something like that. In my world, that's called $98,000. Yeah. So it's 98000 plus 12% for a down payment. So if they could afford to borrow 98000 and have an 850 payment, what does that make the owner finance value or the sales price? Well, we add 12% on top, and that's a roughly $12,000. So it's $110,000 is the OFV on this house. Okay. Okay, so now I know, I know what I can sell these houses in this neighborhood for. Now I'm going to go out and make an offer. Let's say I go out and I do this all the time. I, my goal is to, to get a house for 50% less than what I can own or finance it for. So let's say I go out and I, I said, okay, I'm going to offer 50000 for this house and it gets accepted. I go ahead and I borrow fifty two. I always borrow at least an extra 2000 because it costs me $2,000 to find this guy. And if you do 100 houses a year, which I do, for 24 years in a row, more or less 100 houses. If you leave 2,000 in every house, you're advertising, then in one year, I've left 200,000, you know, 100 houses times 2,000 is 200,000. And if I do that five years in a row, I've left a million dollars laying around. So I always borrow an extra two. Let's, I, I have 14, I'm sorry, 
I have $16 million worth of private money from 44 people that uh, allow me to borrow money from them. I give them a first lien. It's non-recourse, 8%, five-year, interest only, uh, not collateral only, payable monthly money, okay? So I'm gonna borrow 52 at 8% interest only. That puts my payment around 350. Then I'm gonna sell it for 110 with uh, 12,000 down, more or less. And they're gonna owe me about 850, more or less, for 30 years, 850 principal and interest. Nice. So collecting 850 and I'm paying out 350, so I'm keeping 500 in the middle. $500 positive cash flow, of which I paid myself 10 to $12,000 to get done. Right. Okay, so you do that twice a month, you're making $22,000, $24,000 a month cash, and then you're, you're, every time you do it once, it, your income goes up $500. You do it again, it goes up another $500 for 30 years. So if you do $500 worth of positive cash flow for 30 years, that's $180,000 these people still owe me in the future. So it doesn't take your financials to go over the top. So this is what I do. I sell them the house at 30 years, 10% interest, fixed, no balloon, no get a new loan, no nothing. Just make your damn payments for 30 years. That's all I'm asking. You know, my payment will never go up. There's, it's not floating. It's not adjustable. It's yeah. just as good as I can get it for my buyer. That's as good as it gets for my buyer. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what would the rents be in 30 years from now, Dave? Well, hell of a lot more than what they are right now. This is kind of like a tote your note car lot. The guy's not interested. He's not worried about the interest rate. He's not worried about the price. He's worried about, can I make the payment? Well, I already know he can make the payment because I took the rents in the neighborhood. If he's living in that neighborhood right now, he's already paying what I'm asking for. The separator is, do you have 10 to 12% down? The minimum I'll take is 10% down. I'd like to get 12% down. Lots of times I get more than that down. Let me ask you this question. If you're a landlord, what's the chances you're gonna get a $30,000 non-refundable deposit? Zero. Zero, yeah, on a, on a little house. You know, I get 30,000 down, 20,000 down all the time throughout the year. If there's surprises, but I'm never, I'm always surprised at how often it, it happens, you know? Now Mitch, are, are you selling your notes or you're just holding on to them and that's just? Why would I sell a note? It doesn't make any sense. But I guess there's always a time to do that. You know, when you're young in your career, you gotta sell some notes. A, you might need some hush money. Do you know what hush money is, Dave? No. It's when your spouse is up your keister and she won't shut up. And then you go, look, honey, I just made $50,000. Put it in the account and hush up. Hush, hush, hush. Stop it. You know, leave me the heck alone. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. By the way, it works the other way around too. I know some women that have had to give some men some hush money. What, you know? Whatever keeps them happy. Whatever keeps everybody happy and out of divorce court. That's uh, always a good thing. So look, I'm doing this 100 times a year. Well, out of 100 houses, I'm probably... I'm probably owner financing 70, 70 of those hundred. So 70%. So, so the other 30 I'm flipping out. I'm usually doing retail. I do very, very few wholesales. Mm -hmm. Maybe four out of that hundred will be wholesale. The rest will be retail. The only reason I retail these houses at all is because all my acquisition people, they get paid upon success. And sometimes they get low in the bank account. So like mm -hmm. there might be 20, 30,000 equity in the house. I go, look, pick that house. Let's sell it. You put your, you're 12,000 in the bank. I'll put my 18,000 in the bank and, and, and we'll all live to work another quarter. You know what I mean? Sounds good. So Mitch, you become, I mean, you, hell, your second book's all about how to find the deals. What would be a couple of your tips or tricks or ideas for finding good properties in today's market? Well, the, um, 
200 plus ways was written. I never intended to write the first book. Something tragic happened to me, and, and uh, I don't want to ruin the story for you, but something tragic happened, and I just started journaling. I journaled 1,200 pages, but for some reason I was journaling to an audience or to a listener, mm-hmm. and I was speaking to someone, uh, trying to heal myself, and uh, long and short of it is, some people close to me got hold of it and wanted to read it. And I said, it was fine with me. I didn't care. Cause at the time I didn't give a crap about anything. Uh, I was just, you know, in that point, I think everybody finds themselves at some point. You just, you don't care. You have too much grief. Just, I don't give a damn. And which is what made the book work was cause I didn't give a damn. And I was telling the truth about this business. Cause really the only, I, that year that I wrote, started writing this book, I did 150 houses in one year. I mean, there wasn't much left over in my life except for my grief and houses and how I kept myself from going under was I just got into work. But the, the most popular question after that book came out was, how in the hell do you find so many houses? So I wrote my life in a thousand houses, 200 plus ways to find bargain properties, which is a lot drier than the autobiographical story of how a dumbass figured out how to make some money. That one's really colorful, yeah. especially if I didn't care. And I would tell you just how it was. And how the bastard at the get rich seminar didn't tell me about this crap. You know, there wasn't even a chapter on this shit that happens every day. You know, what, what, what's up with this, you know? Yeah. So I was just telling the truth about the whole thing. And, and then I, you know, I wrote this book to, to kind of get your juices flowing. It starts out on how to generate leads with no money. Like most of us started out broke, right? Everyone starts out broke. Everyone I know started out broke. I started out broke. So it starts out with, the really cheesy ways to just do it with nothing, man. Go find the polit- political people's signs, pick the people you don't like, steal their signs, cut them up, turn them over and write on the back, you know? <laughs> the guys that you like, leave them up till after the election, then go get them, then cut them up. <laughs> and yeah, you'll be doing them a favor. Right, because they have to take them down within a certain amount of time or anything. They're supposed to, they never do. Um, I was a world's king of bandit signs, but you know, everything runs its course. What used to work doesn't work anymore. Uh, maybe bandit, maybe it's time to try bandit signs again because maybe they're coming back now. But what works right now is outbound calling to um, people who are showing signs of struggle, like they're behind in their taxes or they have a lot of um, judgments on them. So you got overseas people calling out and all they're trying to do is, are you this guy that the tax rolls, are you Mr. Smith on the tax rolls that owns this house at 123 Main Street? They say, yes. Okay. That's one good thing. Um, do you want to talk about selling that house? Yes. Okay. That's two good things. We're, that's enough. Let me get them over to my acquisition guy. You know, that's all my outbound callers do. They don't, they don't sell them. Either. They don't size up the deal. They don't do anything. They just find the guy and see if he wants to talk. Smart. Smart. Yeah. And then we get them to over to our closers. And then the last book was the book I wanted to write, you know, because not very many people in the, in the world were doing this at all 20 years ago or 15 years ago or even 10 years ago. And it was the art of owner financing your sale to your buyer. Yeah. Everyone had, everyone had heard of, you know, trying to get your seller to owner finance you on the acquisition, but like nobody was doing this. And my God, when you start owner financing your own house, there's no inspections. I can sell a house with a, a hole in the roof the size of your desk. It, you know, I can finance the hole and the house and everything for 30 years. <laughs> and all we got to do is the buyer just got to agree that he understands there's a hole there that he's going to have to fix. You know, try to do that in an FHA or a VA or any kind of bank loan. And, and I can charge whatever. Well, you know, we got state statutes, so I got some limits to the interest I can charge. Um, there's some arguments that if I sell over, I could usually sell 10% over the market. Although right now the markets are so hot, 
that I'm probably right on the market. Yeah. But in the recession, when, when houses prices dropped by 25%, I was still selling at the rental rate. What happens to rents when, when housing markets collapse? No one can buy a house. That's why they collapse because the bank stopped loaning. So if you're not buying a house, you're renting a house. Well, when there's a lot of pressure put on rents in the middle of the recession, the rents are going up because no banks were loaning on anything. Wow. And so, so, and I, and what is my owner finance value based on? It's based on the rents. So in the middle of the recession, about 2010 to 2012, I had the only appreciating house in the state of Texas probably. And it wasn't because my houses were any different than anybody else's. I was offering owner finance and I was the only guy given a loan and the rents kept going up and I kept backing into the rent formulas to find my price. And every month my prices would get higher. Wow. Smart. It's a, it's a huge dynamic that is so great because when you think about a business, most businesses got to worry about the cycles. When do we get in? When do we start pulling back? When's the collapse going to happen? I boom like crazy in a recession. First of all, I'm using all private money, so I don't need a bank to buy the house. And then second of all, my buyer, I'm financing my buyer, so he, he doesn't need a bank to buy my house. In the recession, when the bank is closed, I'm the only guy open. You are the bank. You're the only bank in town. I was buying, I was buying a house a day in the recession till I scared myself. I scared the crap out. I looked up one day, I had, here's my problem. I was the house buyer and the house seller for my company at the time. It was a big mistake. So when you're out buying a house a day, you're not selling jack. You're not selling nothing because you're just buying a house a day is a full-time overwhelming job. And then I looked up one day and I had 45 houses that I hadn't been able to, you know, I hadn't taken the time to even look at or sell. I was just buying. I thought I better stop buying and, and go sure and so. go sell. Excellent. And I did. But next recession, I won't because I got a sales team now and I got a buying team now and I'll buy five, you know, and I'm keep raising private money because I'm trying to get my powder stocked up, you know, and dry for when, when it hits, if it hits, I, well, it's going to hit. It always hits. It's just a matter of when. I think the current president will push it out if he gets reelected another four years at least than the recession. Um, that's just my personal yeah. opinion because there's so much optimism. But Mitch, you're a, you're a, you're a bevy of knowledge, and I'm sorry that we're running out of time here, my friend. We'll have to circle back and do another one and talk about finding investors and raising capital and all that kind of good stuff because it sounds like you definitely know your stuff there. If people want to find out more about Mitch Stephen, what should they do? Go to 1000houses.com. As a matter of fact, if you go to 1000houses, that's 1000houses.com forward slash free book, you can get a copy of my first book uh, absolutely free if you'll simply just pay for the, sh the shipping and the handling for it because it costs money to mail. This is a 400-page book, but most people read it in two settings because I did a lot of things in this book that make this book move very fast. So. Uh, do that. And if you want to just download the 100 pages free, you can go to 1000houses.com and you can get the first 100 pages like right this minute. Awesome. Mitch, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for, uh, for your time today and, and sharing your story. It's very, very entertaining and inspirational. Thanks, my friend. No, man. I appreciate you giving me the time. I, I, I'm glad I got to meet your audience. All right. Everybody take care. See you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries, 
about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.